SpecWrite allows us to centralize our spec data in an easy-to-use and searchable platform, puts everyone on the same page with up-to-date information, and helps us to adapt quickly to business needs and sustainability reporting. Today's podcast is also brought to you by Myers, which is where I work my day job and coincidentally is the most sustainable printing company in the country. Myers is a third generation family business on a mission to create a sustainable future for people, products, and our planet. To learn more, click the link down below in the show notes. Hey, it worked this time. We are live. We're live, Mark, uh, here on the People Podcast. Check me out. <laughs> You made it. You made it. Uh, you've made it all the way here in your life. Everything about everything that's happened in your life has led right up to this moment where you get to be. Well, a guest. I like to think of it as the, I like to think of it as the culmination, the culmination of a long career. Yes. It, and everybody is always angling to figure out how do I get my career to land me on the People of Packaging podcast? And you've certainly had a very um, exciting and, and, you know, just action-packed career including running your own podcast we're going to get into but i would love for you to just answer the most basic of all questions who in the world is mark howley wow now that's a mouthful my name's mark howley i am born and raised in philadelphia i'm one of eight kids i am a father married for 33 years i'm the father of five daughters um i think as a side note that i think people should know is i've been uh, clean for 36 years, which is something that um, has helped steer my life considerably. Um, and beyond that, I think that gives you the rundown. Uh, I I am here with Adam, obviously. I also have my own podcast by the name of the Mark Halley Show, and um, I think we can talk about that a little later as as we uh, the conversation moves along. Yeah, sure. So we connected. You know, obviously you you have a background in packaging. And yes, and then you, and now you have a podcast, and I have a background yes, in packaging, and I have a podcast, and so it's like, there well, we go. We should we should connect and hang out. So yeah, uh, yeah. you know, there's there's a, a great scene in the show Seinfeld uh, where there's this whole episode about yada yada yada, where it's just like yeah yeah, yeah. yada 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 <laughs> over. Like, most I know it. I know it. I know it well. There's yeah. a, I think I think at one point Jerry asks Elaine, "Did you just yada 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 over sex?" I think is one of the lines from that <laughs> show. Um, you know, so there was a lot of there's a lot there, right? In in just that very quick sentence, you know, obviously having five daughters. You know, I'm I'm also a father of five kids, two sons and three daughters. Uh, so we 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 have that in common. Um, but I would love to start with how did you get connected into the packaging community? Most people don't really know how to how to find jobs and get into this industry. What was that like for you? Well, you know, um, the the I was looking for a job. I'm a young guy, and I had stumbled and fallen and not done well in my life, and I managed to put it back by getting out of rehab and life. But that subsequent to that, I had gotten my life generally straightened up, and I just started looking for work. You know, I had headhunter guy was looking for work and lo and behold i got two interviews one with a company by the name of tetra pack which i think most people know mm -hmm. like little milk carton packages and one with a company by the name of fresco system uh usa a packaging company that some of you may know really sizable converter that also sells machines that 
typically someone like a Starbucks would use them, uh, or even a Pete's, these big machines. They also have a little one-way valve. So I got interviews with both of those. And, and I went to the Tetra Pak, and it was like, oh, cool. You know, you go around the country, and you go into these different places. You watch them stick these big-ass machines in, and then, then we assign you a territory, which could be anywhere in the country. So that was like, oh, wow, that's really cool. And then Fresco offered a different gig. Their deal was, we're here in, in Philly, right? We want you to come in here. Uh, both of the companies wanted just an American. They didn't care if you knew anything about packaging. They just wanted to see that you had legs and a brain. Hmm. And so they, they said, you can travel all over, but you will lay your head down in Philadelphia every week. And I asked my dad about that, and he just was like, hey, you know, you're 27. I wouldn't be surprised if you're a stage in your life where you may want to consider a partner, uh, not being just a knucklehead running around as a single guy. And if that's the case, I would advise something that had you put your head down in Philly. And it really wasn't that hard of a decision. But I got, bottom line, that's how I got in the game. And now I'm at Fresco. Got it. So you go, so you go over to Fresco, you get a job through a headhunter. Um, and you know, I think this is how, like I got into packaging similarly, not through a headhunter, but I needed a job and I, I happened yeah. to come into packaging. It wasn't like, Oh, I love this industry so much. I need to be in the packaging industry. It was like, they'll pay me to do work. That sounds good. And it was when my son was first born, who's now 16. So I've been in it for 16 years. That's how I got into this industry, uh, much like a lot of people, I feel like. So so you go to Fresco. What was your first job in the packaging industry? Inside sales. Inside sales. Okay. And I would say that packaging is normally not like – at that time, the big cool one was telecommunications. You know, everybody's going to get a job and make a fortune. You know, in each, I think, five or ten years, there's something that's cooler than packaging, no doubt. Yep. Um, but it was – a solid job. Uh, it had a long, you know, st it had stability um, and it had upward mobility. So I started in inside sales, you know, bang it along. Uh, they threw us out in the plant for two months to learn everything prior to that. Uh, and then you started selling. And uh, if you were capable of uh, just not losing your mind and the repetition of it, um, I think inside sales, the you have to do it long enough to come to an appreciation for the fact that it is statistics. You know, it is. And, and at first you're like, Oh, this is horrible. And then you realize, Oh, okay. So I've slugged this out for five days. I do get something out of it and it does work. Um, so that, that's kind of was my springboard into uh, I'd say some level of accomplishment. Um, and then subsequent to that and in, in our business, they gave you an account, an account, a territory. And for me, it was the southeast of the United States. And so the deep south. And down I went. So uh, I don't know what did else you, you, move, you know. Or you would. No, no, I did not. No, it was takeoff out of Philly um, and probably do two flights a week, uh, several hotels, and then back home on Thursday night or Friday. And okay. that was pretty consistently every week. Um, and you came to know that um, did I lose you? Yeah, 
but you're back. Oh, so, sorry about that. Okay, let me, I don't know where we will cut in or cut out there. Um, anyways, it's the Southeast we had, pardon me. Um, I got to turn this phone off. Is it trying to right. record to your phone and it's, it, it's no, it's a phone call coming in and I'm trying to not allow phone calls come in because I got on, on my, um, I mistakenly got on my phone cause that's where the easiest login was when I looked for it. Um, so if, if this, well, anyway, let's just continue and see where we, that should not, I didn't, I don't have any calls set up. So I don't know why they're calling me anyway. So let me go back here. When you're done inside sales at a packaging company, very commonly, they'll give you a territory with some accounts in it. And in that instance, I got the Southeast. That's what was available. That's what I got. So it was takeoff Atlanta, Alabama, Northern Florida, uh, New Orleans. Uh, New Orleans happened to be one of the second largest um, port for bringing in green coffee beans, which was Fresco's primary business. The okay. old brick packs of coffee, you know. So that's that's where I got my uh, got my kickoff into the outside world. Nice. And what mm -hmm. was the what was the transition like from entry point into inside sales? And it, you know, I know eventually you were you were the were you the owner of Pacific Bag? Is that I know that yes that yes I was eventually yeah. Okay, where what was that? I mean, it's, there's probably a really long story there, but yeah, yeah, I can be pretty not, quick. Yeah, because I'm like that. <laughs> spirit was, that's a really awesome yeah. you know, from inside sales rep in Philly to running a company that eventually gets sold to Tricor Braun and owning it. That's a really amazing story. I don't want to yada yada yeah. yada it, but but uh huh. Yeah. But um, you know, well, as I mentioned earlier, I'm an amazing person, uh, very intelligent, and. And handsome, in case people can't see me, they should know that. But I, the, thought, it, I the, thought it was I thought it was Mark Wahlberg that I was interviewing. You know, <laughs> Mark Halloween. Like, oh, not at all, not <laughs> at all. Uh, uh, yeah, the visual is quite upsetting. But anyway, so no, the, I mean the, the way it went back then was you, you kind of had to push for these promotions because they were kind of a static business. So a lot of like at first guy to say, oh, I want to be something bigger and better. They would say, oh, all right, you'll be a product manager. They didn't know what the hell a product manager was. So I learned what a product manager was and I promoted those. And then I got put into uh, a national account position. And that was, you know, the big biggies. Um, and then sort of like the booby prize, the thing that made me leave ultimately was they gave me the Starbucks account when a buddy of mine quit was at work. And I said, that is, well, it sounds wonderful, could have made a lot more money, but they had all the film and they had all the machines and they had all the valves. The only thing you could do was fail. And I was saying, please let me have somebody under me who I could kind of, they could be the chewing on that. And I would go out and look for other business to which they were like, no. And that's when my mind started working on, I can't continue to do this. I watch people get to be, you know, 50, 55, and they get, you know, whacked by their boss. You know, oh, we're downsizing. Oh, we're streamlining. And I thought, I'm not going to get caught in that. And I quit. I quit with no other job. One year non-compete. And I started putting out business plans for what would have been Pacific Bag 
east. It's going to be, you know, it would have been Atlantic bag. There was nothing there. Um, with my own buck, I traveled over to Asia and looked at all these different vendors. Um, I thought if properly done, you could bring good looking packages in from Asia, uh, from Taiwan predominantly. And I thought you could compete in a small run, high graphic uh, accuracy uh, markets. And that's where I, and I was in coffee, so I kind of knew that world. Uh, to which the original investors in Pacific Bag invited me to come out to Seattle. And I did that. And then uh, maybe you want to ask a question because rather than me just blabbering on for another five or 10 minutes here, um, let me help me direct where you would like to go at this point. Yeah, no, it's it's fascinating. I mean, obviously, everybody is wanting to know, um, are you a football fan? I am, of course. So have you fully transitioned to a Seahawks fan or are you just like an Eagles no. fan? No. Oh, for crying out loud. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> I forgot. How I forgot. dare you? Eagles Phillies fans. and Eagles. Eagles and, fans yeah. uh, booed Santa Claus. I should have known. Yes, that the, yes, it, yes, yes. The, the love of the Eagles runs deep. My dad's actually from just outside of Philly. I don't know if you knew that or not. He grew no, up. No, what town's that? I don't remember. It was outside. It was in Jersey, just right outside. Oh, okay. Of Philly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then basically, we divide Jersey between Eagles and Giants fans. When they, where, who are they? If you ask somebody, so who do you cheer for? Got and it. Like the Giants. And we say, okay, then. Well, my dad's then a Broncos have... fan. So. All right. Well, that's all right. Well, he's, he's moved. We're he's from, moved. We're from, we're from Colorado. My parents moved there in 1980, I think. 43 years of living in Colorado. And by the way, they were season ticket holders to watch Stanford when I, I was born in Northern, in the Bay Area. And when John Elway was a quarterback at Stanford, my parents were at the games with me, apparently as like this tiny little baby watching Elway. Then they moved to Colorado, and then obviously Elway gets drafted and traded there and blah, blah, blah. So they're well, fully, Elway proved himself in the end. Full, in the end, he proved himself. They're full Broncos know? fans. He was a great quarterback, awful businessman, a terrible general manager. Um, but you, on the seems other hand, you, on the other hand, uh, seem to have been a great businessman. So you start a Pacific bag. I, I, I legitimately don't know this was Pacific bag. Um, so you mentioned going over to Korea and kind of acting as a, was it, was it more of a brokerage or did you own? No, no, I, I just, I always thought, I remember thinking to myself, why is it they can make cars and TVs over there and be so competitive at this point in time? This is, you know what maybe uh, mid to late 90s i'm like why can't they make a bag and be just as competitive i don't understand so i just started faxing out to like hundreds of places and just getting quotes back and then finally it was like i'm just going to go visit them and take yeah. a week never been over there scheduled the whole damn thing by fax and just phew, took off there's people and, uh, listening to this are like what is this fax that you speak of oh yeah <laughs> I remember the fact Ooh. I told someone today, my first, I was like, the first cell phone I ever saw was a briefcase. That yeah, that's what I had. You I had that big. Yeah, it was like, you got like 40 minutes a month or something like that. I was, yeah. I was 17 years old. My parents were like, you're a terrible driver and you're a kid. Just if you get in a wreck, here's this break glass in case of emergency phone. <laughs> a briefcase. <laughs> Well, I remember we got them in uh, sales sales guys at, at when I was at Fresco, and you were just the bee's knees if you had that bag. Oh my lord! 
Exactly. You, know, you oh, you were just the kicker. But anyway, so we we I moved to out to Seattle. I got hired by Pacific Bank one year after my my leaving Fresco. Um, after the, the, the non-compete, I had known the previous owner of Pacific Bag, and I said to him, oh, maybe I'll buy you. I had no idea how I would do it. He was going to sell it. No idea. I just thought, well, if he says yes, I'll try and figure it out. Um, these other investors bought Pacific Bag, and they invited me out. And I think the part that, and I became executive vice president of sales, and you know, I thought, well, maybe I got to be president someday. Well, then lo and behold, that investment group went bankrupt. Mm. So now there's this collapsing of, oh shit, what's happening around me here? I just had my, my fifth kid. And when things start to get nasty like that, the original owners start saying to me, we're going to get rid of you, Mark. Right. Um, and then the new investors came in and interviewed everybody. And they just said, well, we don't understand why you don't just be the president. Um, because you have the most, at that point, Adam, I had 17 years in the trade. So I, I think my greatest thing, and I'll say this to anybody who's younger or anywhere in their career, longevity is what won the game for me. Mm. Uh, when the shit hit the fan uh, with these investors and a new group of investors came in, they were looking around for anybody who could steer this shaky ship. And I, they said, well, you've been at it the longest. Why? Good Lord. We just want to get our money out and hopefully maybe turn our, our ownership into a buck. So that's, again, right place, right time. Moved across the country. Um, uh, a poor financial decision by the original investors. And I was there and I was a very hard worker. And, it, and all of a sudden it turned to my advantage. They gave me a three-year contract. And I thought, holy moly. Life has taken a crazy turn and a good one, you know? Yeah, sounds like it. I mean, you've got, you've got, uh, obviously, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned your sobriety. So you're, you're sober at this point, you've got five kids, you've got this great company that you're running. It's, uh, I, I know there was a lot of work that Pacific Bag did in terms of sustainability for yeah. coffee roasters. Um, and so, so you're going through all of this. Um, I want to I want to get to the to to the transaction because not a lot of people really know, you know what uh, I get. I guess what you're allowed to talk about or not talk about is fine. But I'm, uh, I'm pretty much allowed to talk about anything. You know, it's, there's nothing. It's all uh, water under the bridge now. Yeah. So I mean, lo would love to hear a little bit about that. But one quick question on on your time at Pacific Bag, um, as as younger people are looking to you know, maybe get in and advance in their, in their, in their careers. You mentioned leaving and saying like, I didn't want to be this person in their mid to late fifties who just gets, you know, we're going through a downsizing, right. Which is, which is ageism, yeah, honestly, yeah. and it's awful, but we all know what happens and it sucks. Um, so what would you give some advice to the, to younger people getting into it as a former owner and executive of, of a company, of what to, what to look for when they're you know kind of looking to advance in their career i think i can answer that you know there's old saying do i want balls or brains and in packaging you know give me balls uh we don't have anything that we're doing is that complex as a product um we need hustle and what we need also is somebody who has an understanding and some people do or don't but 
you know, to punch through the first wall or punch whatever word you may want to use, it's probably going to take two years of really just being effectively a grunt. And, um, and, and that, in my opinion, is a hurdle that a lot of younger people just can't make. Um, and I don't think that's generational. I'm not buying into that. I no. think that I think that 23 to 24 year old single men and women are by the nature of who they are. They tend to be, you know, they can move quickly. They don't usually have a lot of debt. Generally, um, they're not married. They don't have kids. Uh, they get sick of one job. Boom, boom, boom. They can change. That's what happens. Um, the ones who stick at it for a couple of years, I think then they, they got, they have a path within our industry. Yep. And that's, I think, pretty simple because you're not going to win on, you're not the latest iPhone, you know, you're, exactly. you're not that you're, you're bags, you know? And, uh, in fact, one of the things I used to say to people who work for me is, okay, guys, let's get this straight. We sell freaking bags. Okay. That's what we sell. Let's, it's just a let's bag. Not get a whole lot. It's a bag. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, and sometimes, any, sometimes I do. I do think, you know, you see, you see some companies get it. Try to try to make it more nuanced or more complex. But you know, for me, it's like, I I was actually texting with somebody today, and I was because we're I'm currently looking to hire. Maybe by the time this episode comes out, I will have already hired somebody. So I don't know. Uh, but in this moment of this recording, I was like, so do you want to come sling some stickers with me? Uh, cause you know, it, it's a label I get, it's a pressure sensitive label. There's a lot of complexity, but I'm like, still it's just a sticker on a roll. Yeah. Like that you get at a dentist office for being a good kid. Um, so I agree, you know, and I, I love that idea of like, if you just were to be patient, put your head down and do the work, you're going to make it pretty far in this industry. And there's not a lot of industries that are you know quote sexy where that's the that's the case right you got to play politics you got to do the thing you got to go to the right school you got to know the right people to get the like packaging is literally like you said just can you get your can you get your foot in the door can you put your freaking head down can you do the work the hard work and then and then at the end of that you can have a really long successful career in, in sales yeah, and operations and finance i mean legal engineering all of them it's time to pay a few bills. So let's hear a word from our sponsor, Label. Modern consumers want modern buying experiences, and they don't just want them, they expect them. Beyond killer on-site buying experiences, consumers expect seamless experiences from checkout to delivery. And when things go wrong, and they do a lot, we know this in the packaging industry, they expect the brand to make it right and make it right quickly. In fact, 89% of consumers say they stop buying from a brand after just one bad buying experience. That's where Label comes in. Label Protect is a brand-first, buyer-focused protection solution that's uniquely designed to make shipping issues a thing of the past. Instead of leaving your buying experience a chance, you can give your customers peace of mind at checkout knowing their orders are 100% covered from loss, theft, damage, and more. And with a 98% claim approval rate, 24-hour resolution time, and best-in-class revenue share, Label reduces customer support overhead, protects your bottom line, increases profits, and most importantly, Label keeps your customers coming back for more. 
Whether you ship 100 orders a month or 100,000, it's time to make the final mile part of your competitive advantage with Label. You can learn more by clicking the link in the show notes or going to LABLPX.com. That's LABLPX.com. I mean, the better companies, I like to think that I managed well, and I did. I had retention. We had 70 employees when I sold it, just probably 20 or 25 of them that with me for 20 years. Um, but I, I do think when, the, when you're a younger person, if you work for a good company, um, you get autonomy. You know, it's almost like to me, anybody working for me was always, you know, you know, give them all the rope they want to hang themselves. You know, the good ones, they will, they will love it. And they'll come back and ask for more and more. The lousy ones, they'll show up. You give them autonomy. They'll just, they'll, they'll, they'll just be lazy. They won't get what they're supposed to be done. Uh, they'll be mm. trying to nag about other employees, nag about their manager. And you're like, oh, my God, you're, you're 25. You know, I mean, you don't even know what a job is yet. You know, so how true. can you, yeah, I mean, you've, you know, I mean, hate to say anybody who's new in this thing, but the first one or two years you're working for somebody is, you know, the money's going the wrong way. You know, they're educating you and spending more money on you than you're getting for a paycheck, you know, or you, pardon me, or for what you're giving back. Yeah. And that's a harsh reality. I'm investing in you. Um, so do you meet, do you cut the grade? You got drafted. Can you make it past the uh, minor leagues? That's a you great know? point. That's about yeah, yeah, that's about it. Um, now, I, I think likely your next question, given whatever time constraints we have, would come down the lines of um, the transaction or the several. There's two transactions, actually. Um, and I'll try to be not terribly complex here. Um, once we got rid of paying the debt back to the banks, right? So we got that left. Now, Think of it this way. Somebody owns three quarters of the house that I'm managing, right? And I'm, I got 25%. Maybe I had to split it with some other people. So I have the majority at 25%. And they're like, hey, thanks for paying off that mortgage, Mark. And, you know, you're doing such a good job and the value's going up. We're not going to sell the other three quarters of the house. We're just going to hang out and we'll ride the appreciation with you and make money together. Um, and that's when I said to them, and maybe some people wouldn't, maybe wouldn't be assertive enough. I said, well, I, I want to have the whole house. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't, you know, you were here to get money and I think I'm in a position to get you money. And then you go away with money and I have something that I can run. And they were very, that, that didn't offend them at all. These are financial people. So then we had to value it, which for anybody who knows is you, you tie it into a thing called EBITDA, earnings before interest, taxes, and depreciation. So it's like this weird and amortization, all weird words. The bottom line is how much money do you make? You know, and at the end of the day, oh, I made a million bucks. Well, if you go out, much like real estate, if you go out and look at the recent comps around the industry, it's hard to do with a packaging company or something, but they'll go, hey, you know, a million dollar earnings company is going to be worth five million bucks. Or four, you know, you, you name whatever the, the multiplier is, right? Whatever the damn multipliers. So then I had to go out and get that money. So that meant going around and again, investors, money, banks, blah, 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 blah. and in the end, it took me 
from the start of the first wipeout until me being clear of all the debt and everything was about eight years. You know, and then we're free and clear. And I'm a guy from Philly who started selling bags. And now all of a sudden I'm running a business and making a good living and hoping that nobody figures out it's Mark Halley from Philadelphia. <laughs> you know, like, uh-oh, they're going to catch me, you know. Uh, so I don't want to ramble on if you want to hear the final no. phase of this. Yeah, I mean, so um, you're talking about these two sales, so you have to value it. Um, this is fascinating stuff because because valuations of companies is is really. I mean, I I just sat through a whole. Now I primarily worked in the label industry, so we just we just had this whole thing at TLMI about you know the the fluctuation and EBITDA multipliers and valuations uh, is relative to the cost of debt and. You know, but there's been a tremendous amount of private equity money that has been pouring into the packaging industry for uh for the last ten years, maybe seven to ten uh, years. Well, and and one of the reasons is it's stable. It's yeah. like if I buy that thing, it's going to chunk me out a million bucks this year, and then it's going to chunk me out maybe a million point one, maybe a million point five, but the next year's going to do the same clunk 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 clunk. Yep. And the ones who screw up, in my opinion, are the ones who say, oh, I'm going to go out. Well, they may not screw up because I'm going to go out and try and get into the, you know, the other vertical part of this market. And they get themselves all hocked up. They don't know that business like they think they do. I don't know labels. Adam, if I walked over in the, into the label business, I can guarantee you one thing. I would get my ass kicked promptly, <laughs> um, you know, because you know the game. I don't. And, right. Um, but the biggest thing for anybody who's looking to value a business, there are companies out there um, that, that will value. Now, you don't have to go pay them. They will charge you an arm and a leg. They got every way in the world that you can imagine valuing, you know, cash flow, earnings, backwards earnings, future values. You're like, blah, blah. you don't, you know what? There's a few of them out there. One at the time was by the name of Mesero. M-E-S-I-R-O-W, Mesero, M-E-S-I-R-O-W. They would publish values or transactions in the packaging industry. So they could do that. Um, another thing I did is I bought a share at the time in Bemis because if I bought a share, I got their K1 that represented all their earnings. And what I tried to do is mimic Pacific Bag roughly on the way their sales overhead and oh. earnings roughly i was like okay so now i'm in line with what this big monster is you know and i would watch that and i go okay so 23 percent should be my overhead oh then i would drop this much hey these ungodly complex financials but if you hacked it out you go oh they sold a billion they made a million huh you know it's not that rocket science yep. but if you're trying to value you need somehow to get your hands on, like you're, you're in a label business right now. There's a, transactions going on for years. And then what triggers the value? Well, things like what you said, you know, markets up, markets down, interest rates are up, interest rates are down. A lot of those are outside of your control. Um, and then everybody says, oh, sell it when it's high. Well, no shit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Everybody, oh, thanks. <laughs> I remember I learned this was back 20 plus years when I was in college, but I'll never forget something where uh, 
we were talking about just like investments in the stock market. And it was like, every time you sell a stock, there is another person or entity on the other end who thinks they're getting a good deal. You think you're selling high. They think they're buying low. And this is the way it all works. And someone's going to be right and someone's going to be wrong. But don't yeah. think that you've got the whole thing figured out just because you, you know, you, you read you read some article and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm going to go buy that low. It's like, well, someone's going to sell that and they think they're getting out. <laughs> so yeah, it's like one thing too. like I would have a couple of good years and everybody would be like, man, what'd you do right? And I would be like, uh, basically the same thing I did for the last 10 years, but somehow anybody who sold, you can bust your balls and not have a good year. The next year you do the same thing and it just smokes. Yeah. And so just turn the wheel, turn the wheel. But in the end, uh, let me try to get a little closer to the final transaction. Um, sure. The fellows from Tricor came along and said, oh, we've always, for those who don't know, Tricor sells bottles and rigid bottles and semi-rigid bottles and caps and their distributor and they came into our side of the business and they said hey we want to get into flexible packaging we think that you're a great springboard for us uh you also have for anybody who didn't know we had a one-way degassing valve one of the patent holders on that for coffee um a little belly button in a bag mm -hmm. and we had also spent 15 years constantly trying to develop these what's called biotree these bags that were inching closer and closer to biodegradability um but we never oversold it when it was halfway there we just said it's halfway there it's as good as we can do we got to the 50 yard line we're going to try and long field goal probably going to miss it uh then we'll let you know we finally crept towards it um I'll bet 15 years, and I would be shocked if we didn't spend a million dollars as a little company on it, if not more, more for sure. Yeah. Um, but we 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 worked hard, and we gained credibility within our market, and ultimately got to the right spot. Um, yeah, no doubt. And and the thing it does make sense from a you know in this perspective with Tricor which is, I, I, don't, I don't have as much experience in flexible packaging, very, very little, but I have worked and sold flexible packaging. The thing that I always found interesting about it, coming from sort of the secondary decoration side with labels and folding cartons, um, mm -hmm. or secondary packaging with, with printing, is that flexible packaging, similar to a bottle with a cap or whatever, uh, glass, PET, HTP, is, is primary packaging. Like the yep. coffee beans go into the bag. So there has yep. to be consideration for the barrier, the moisture, the oxygen, all that. Yes, kind of stuff. absolutely. Absolutely. It also simultaneously functions as the secondary packaging, the branding, the marketing, and so on and so forth. And so I think it makes sense for a company that's been in primary packaging like Tricor Braun to expand more into primary packaging in with flexibles. Because what is what is a flexible bag if not just a bottle that is really, really walled out and smushy. <laughs> yeah. pretty much smushy. It's flexible. You know, yeah. I say when you reach for your bottle, your shampoo bottle, you can squeeze it, but it's not going to smush down. A bag, yeah. you squeeze it, it goes down to your fist. I think we should so rename it smushy, smushy packaging. Smush, it it's the smushy bag we used. It's a, but we, we're going to rebrand it smushy bag. But anyway, the, no, the, the thing that uh, I, we should circle back is the thing that we did very well was 
gourmet coffee, bless its soul, bow down and kiss its feet. It continued to grow. It continued to not so much the amount of coffee consumed, but these smaller guys started buying and you know proliferating. And we had the model where we could print short runs, say 25,000 bags, uh, economically and with high graphic quality. And that was kind of the niche that I felt because I had sold for Fresco, where if they set that press up, they ran it all day. Right. And so we were jumping in and jumping out, little tiny jobs, bing, bang, bing, bang. And then we supported it, for anybody who doesn't know, uh, with stock bags. You could buy a case of gold, a case of gray, a case of green. And you know we had, what, three and a half million dollars of inventory sitting out on the floor um, of bags that are not printed. And you slap Just, a label on it. Buy a, buy a case and put a label on. I sent. I actually sent. You don't know this, but there was a lot of people that would reach out to me, that I would be like, just go, just go check out Pacific Bag, um, because they could just get stock bags with a label. Because they'd reach out to us and say, hey, can you guys do these bags? And I would say, no. Go to Pacific Bag, check them out. If you need a hundred labels, you know, printed, really nice. Let me know. But just get into stock bags right now, and then if you scale up, yeah. you won't need labels yep. anymore. And, you know, the other thing that you may use with people who want labels versus printing is there is a in our specialty markets, there was a place for sort of the homey look of a labeled bag. It mm -hmm. sends a message. And um, that's if you're selling and you can control your distribution. Once you get into supermarkets, then everybody says, oh, he has a label. He's a loser. He's not cool. Right. And, you know, then then you become the uncool bag uh, very quickly. Um, so you'll see the ones that get on the shelf, maybe some of you know, Intelligentsia or Stumptown, uh, you know, Blue Bottle. Cool. Yeah, all the cool people around, they're all, we're ours. And high graphic quality, a lot of SKUs, um, usually the coffee, whatever, you know, Colombian, blah, 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 they would get a label and, and they'd have a common design and then label it. Um, yeah. Because that's, that's the easiest way to do it. But, um. Yep. You well, know, Mark, you're, go ahead. I was just gonna. I, I was gonna say we're probably getting uh, close here to wrapping up. So, uh, you had you had actually provided, just like a podcast host would maybe accidentally do, uh, you had provided a very natural uh, transition to my last question. <laughs> okay, let's get it. Uh, which was, uh, you know, as as these as these labels provided an easy way for people to, you know know and and get a hold of somebody like at intelligentsia or to know about their thing i wanted to hear you know how do people find your podcast and how do people get in contact with you what let's stick a label on the end of this bag and uh and and start wrapping it up here so okay. i'd be curious what what's the best way for people to reach out if they've got bag questions packaging questions podcast questions life questions sobriety <laughs> questions uh mark Wahlberg <laughs> look like contest questions thank you adam adam you are punching it all well here let, <laughs> let me give it to you here uh my podcast is called the mark howley show where our goal is to talk to people in all different careers with the intent of finding about all the little twisty turny ways they got there and ultimately found satisfaction that just flips me out because people are different than me and i always loved it the name of the show again is the mark howley show uh, you can look at, find it on www.markhowleyshow.com. Uh, uh, you can leave a message through there and just kick it over to us. We'll get it. Uh, you can use my personal Gmail, which is probably 
efficient at this day, which would be Mark Howley. Again, my name, Mark Howley, M-A-R-K-H-O-W-L-E-Y 47 at Gmail. Um, and then my phone number, uh, 425-241-8701, 425-241-8701. And lastly, it would be unfair for me not to say, if you are looking for flexible packaging specifically, please contact Tricor Braun Flex. Uh, they're good at what they do. Um, they haven't let anybody go since I owned it, other than those who decided to quit. Um, they continue to use me as a consultant, and I couldn't say more great things about them. So awesome. Tricor Braun Flex. I will have everything down in the show notes, except if you want to contact him via phone, uh, write it down yourself, because I don't want people to you know, troll podcasts. And no, find, yeah, oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. Blasting stuff out to Mark. So if you want to reach yeah. out to Mark via phone, that's awesome. Shoot him a text. Make sure it's a funny animated GIF or something like that. <laughs> um, maybe it's like Alan Iverson stepping over to Ron Lou. There we go. There we go. Um, no, Bryce Harbor hitting a home run. There you go. There you go. That's the one. That's the one you want. What about that's Lenny Dykstra stealing second base? Oh, oh, you mean you're talking nails? You're talking nails. nails. <laughs> I'm talking about nails. Yeah. I don't, nails. That was, we like the only nails. time I paid attention to baseball was then. It was like, I know Ryan Howard and Mike Schmidt and Lenny Dykstra. That well, was, that's good enough. Dykstra has go. unfortunately made a, a disaster of his life, but uh, it's a shame. He, he's a, he's a train wreck now, but anyway, and then I just wanted one last thing. Yeah. Uh, my Philadelphia Eagles did win a Super Bowl at which time as part of my commitment to my daughters and my wife, I went out and got an Eagles tattoo on my we arm. We also have that in common because I got a Denver Nuggets tattoo on my leg uh, after they won the championship. Cool, so, cool. Uh, we, you know, what we are we're fast friends. That's what we, we are. are. We're fast. <laughs> we are indeed fast friends. We get tattoos of Denver or of uh, of our favorite sports teams the minute they win a championship. And uh, I had a Chilean immigrant tattoo mine who couldn't speak English. So I was communicating to him through Google <laughs> Translate. And it was amazing. He did awesome work. Uh, so it was really great. Mark, I really appreciate you coming on. Everyone go check out the Mark Howley Show, uh, Tricor Bon Braun Flex, and reach out to Mark if you got any other questions. Once again, Mark, thanks so much for coming on and uh, being part of the show. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Adam. Thank you so much. You have a nice day. You too.